Welcome to this next episode of the Beloved Miracles Couples Project. Today, I'm reaching from Norway to St. Petersburg, Florida, USA. Hello, Nicole. Hello, Timothy. So good to be here with you. Let me do a brief introduction. Nicole heard the call to go to Florida. She packed up her 2002 van with her mom and sons and left her childhood home of Detroit in 2012. They left at 4 a.m. in the morning. No questions, no fear, because they knew that God's calling upon their life would take care of their needs. They stepped out in faith, but they had no idea how amazingly it would play out. So Nicole, where does your story begin? Well, Tim, my story begins here. Uh, 2010, I visited Florida just on a little vacation over the summer. I've never left my children. While I was in Florida and West Palm Beach, I spent the summer reading my Bible. Unexpectedly, I thought I was going to do something else, and I ended up reading my Bible and just spending some time with a friend, which was fine. I returned home, and when I got home, I heard this voice in my head, and it kept telling me, go to Florida. You need to go to Florida. It was so intense that I started telling friends and people that I have known for 10, 15 years, I have to go. I'm going to leave. I have to go to Florida. They asked me how. I said, you don't need to know how. I'm just going to leave. I told them um, I'm a pastor. I've known that that's what I want to be in my heart since I was three years old. And I've known I was here to serve people. So I started the process. Um, I started packing things up. Now, keep in mind, at that time, um, Detroit wasn't doing so well. I was one of the last people to, uh, what do I want to say, believe that Detroit wasn't doing so well. I held on to my beloved city for so long, but it just wasn't giving me what I needed as a mom. And having two boys and then taking care of my mom, who's a retiree, I needed to make sure that they were safe and they had a good infrastructure and could grow. So after some things happened within the city and it just wasn't good anymore, I just packed up my van, uh, put everything in the van, locked the door on the subsidized housing I was living in. I must tell you that uh, I was um, in transition from having very good employment to I was living off a of subsidized uh, income. I had no income. Uh, my home was paid for by the state, as we call it. So I really needed to get back on my feet. I had 20 years of experience in uh, the executive field. 9-11 um, impacted me to where it changed my life to where I had to struggle and find a job. And by the time 2012 came, I was just on that aid, on Section 8, as they call it. And that wasn't good enough for me. I heard my grandma Vera saying, no, that's not going to work because she had passed away. So I locked everything up and we drove away. Before we left, my best friend, Nicole, of 20-something years, I told her, I said, Nikki, I have to go. She did not question me. She made me a cooler full of food. And um, I remember this pound cake that was in the cooler. And she, she put everything together. And she said, OK, you go. And our 2002 Windstar van had over 120,000 miles on it. We had $100 worth of gas. And I think I maybe had $50. We drove off on a Sunday morning. We got on the road, got to Ohio, tire blew on the road, okay? Uh, pulled over, never experienced that before. I called the 411, the police came in Ohio, and I told him what happened. I had like $25 in my hand. He says, no, I don't want your money. What are you doing? And I told him, you know, what we were doing. He said, okay, wait a minute, I'm gonna call in a favor for you. He called in a favor. He said, I'm gonna take you down right over here to this little parking lot 
make sure you guys are safe, leave you up on, in the truck, and I'm going to call in a favor to take that tire and fix it for you. So him and a couple guys from a tow truck, they worked maybe an hour to get that tire off. They put that donut on the car and told me, you know what? I wish people I knew would step out on faith. And he told me now, go. So we drove and we kept driving. Mind you, we had a donut. This was uh, October 2012. So we kept going, kept going, kept going. And um, we knew that the policeman told us, you got to take it slow because you want to be careful on that donut. So we took it slow and we got down to Florida. Um, when we got to Florida, we were in Tampa. Now, okay, a little nervous because uh, we didn't understand quite what we were dealing with, but I still told my family, no, it'll be okay. So um, we went to a couple shelters. You know, I think about the Bible and Mary and Joseph trying to find somewhere to go. And um, I remember how we felt trying to find somewhere to lay our heads. And a lot of the places wanted to separate us, you know, because I had a son at that time. My son, he's be 21 soon. But the age he was at, um, they said that maybe he couldn't come to the shelter with us. So that's okay. We went to a, a hotel that provided shelter for people. And I told the guy in the hotel our story. He put us in the sanctuary that was in the hotel and said, you're a family. We're going to lock that door and you're going to spend your time in there. That's where you lay your head. So we did. Um, I remember being there and I remember, uh, you know, a prayer that I said to God not too long ago after having throat surgery um, when I was in Detroit. Uh, I had learned had to learn to swallow again. And I told God, what was this, maybe five years ago, I said, you know, um, if you help me learn to swallow again and let me drink this cold glass of ice water, I'll go to the top of the mountains of Costa Rica for you. I didn't know anything about Costa Rica, didn't know anything about anything. I just said this prayer to him. So we moved forward and I'm in Florida and um, my family and I, uh, we were staying in the hotel in the sanctuary and uh, God took care of us. We had places to eat. Um, we met an angel who took us to McDonald's and showed us how to uh go do a health survey and we got free McDonald's. Um, we walked to a church and we ate, we had spaghetti and Kool-Aid. Um, why is that important? Because we were never hungry. Yeah, we had to walk to the church to get the food, but we ate, um, we were together as a family. Uh, we ended up finding somewhere to live. Uh, we ended up in a transitional type place, which was a nice hotel, a couple had took over and they were providing housing to people. And we moved there and my mom, who's retired, was able to cover the rent. So I went to a program in Florida called WorkNet. Um, 40 years old, but still needed to uh, reassess my skills and so forth. So I went through the program, told them you know, why I was there. They were very gracious, helped me a lot. Um, while I was in the program, you know, I got frustrated, you know, I'm hitting the wall, like, okay, come on, that opportunity has to come, something's coming. And I remember sitting there crying one day and there was a military guy who ran the program and he came up and talked to me. He said, what's wrong? I said, you know, it's just, it's just not getting there, you know, and I'm upset and I just don't know what to do. And you know, when they say that you cry before that big breakthrough, well, he told me, he said, it's going to be okay. Well, I got the call that evening while I was in the church sanctuary praying to go interview for a particular job. And when I got that call, I told the interview person, I said, hey, you know, I have two other interviews tomorrow. She said, that's OK. Um, just come on and see us when you get a chance. So I said, all right. So I did my other two interviews. I stepped into that third interview and at the end of the day. And I remember interviewing with the guy and I was looking around, looking around and he was asking me questions. I said, I'm closing my eyes to remember what you're asking me because I know I know. I don't know the terminology, but I know I can do this. So he said, OK, I left the interview. 
He called me that night and said, we're going to take a chance on you. I got that job that following Monday. As I went through that job, I progressed from, as I told you, I didn't have anything. Okay. When I left, I started at $10 an hour. I progressed and progressed and progressed. The job found out my skills. This job allowed me to travel, see the world and connect with people all over the world. The last point of the Costa Rica thing I want to tell you is this. This particular job that allowed me to travel has allowed me to go to, go to Costa Rica twice. I've seen the mountains twice. My point is I want people to know that when you are somewhere and maybe you're doubting yourself and you're thinking, I can't do this, or something's telling you you can, and you're like, well, how? Do not ask yourself how. Just know that it will be done. And I bring up the income to say I started $10 an hour because I want people to know that I'm so much further than that now, but I'm self-sufficient. I'm no longer on aid, which means if someone else out there needs that aid, I've moved out the way and now they can have that. I remember saying that prayer as well, saying, you know what, I'm going to let that go now in Florida so someone else can have it. Um, I'm established. I've met people in Norway, Africa, uh, China, Australia, New Zealand along with people all across the United States. Um, my son is gonna be a nutritionist. My little boy is doing well. My mom is here with me. And I've been able to meet so many awesome people. But my main thing that I want people to know is never doubt, never be in fear and know, and this is what I say to people, if this Detroit girl can go from nothing to this, to talking to you all the way in Norway with my two boys in tow and my mom, Imagine what you could do if it's just you or if you stood up. I'm no more special than you are listening to this. It's possible. You're here to do great things. You just have to get up and say, you know what? I hear that voice and I can do it. And I want to tell you that had I not left when I did, I left the end of September and I was gone by October. Everything bad started happening in my old neighborhood that December. So what I want people to know is this, um, death, robbery, loss of life, all those things that my son said would have really killed my spirit even more. Within 60 days of me leaving, all those things happened in my old area I was living in. And I knew that I had made the right choice when I turned on the news one day and I saw my old apartment that I no longer lived in on the news. They had raided the whole area. And I told everybody before I left, I said, guys, you better make a change because they're going to come through here and it's not going to be pretty. Oh, no. Oh, no. They've never come through. Well, they did. And my point to that is what you think will never change. It does. What you think stays the same. It does not. So why not take a chance to say, I can do this and I'm going to step out on faith and I'm going to hear that voice and I'm going to go do something great because we're all built for it. And it's allowed me to share my love all the way in Norway and around the world and connect the dots for people to show that it's possible. You're just as awesome as I am and you can do it. Oh, Nicole, Nicole, you know, your first impression upon me now adds up, right? My first encounter of you was in needing some assistance with something. And out of that simple, you know, request for some help with something, mm -hmm. um, you touched my heart. I mean, I can honestly tell you that. Like your first impression upon me was the same depth and um, well, gratitude. Obviously, is part of it, but there's something of a 
I think the word is belief, right? I mean, there, there is a belief yes. in you that allowed you to believe in stepping, as you say, stepping out, stepping yes. or nothing. I mean, like nothing. Right, nothing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I could even reflect back now on when you assisted me that that spirit, that tone, that rhythm was also part of my. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm. I'm uh, I'm blown away. I'm I'm blown away. Number one by what you've done, and you know that like that would be enough if it was just a, a thing that happened. Mm -hmm. But it's not a thing that happened. It's who you are. I mean, I just yes, I, yes. right. Yes, it's, it's, yes, it's, yes. It's it's who I am. Yes, and I want people to know. Four o'clock in the morning. I said, if I write a book, it would say four a.m. in the morning from darkness to light, because I drove off at four in the morning and I never questioned it. And I want to tell you that donut on my car kept us for 60 days. Nothing ever happened to it. Nothing ever went wrong. And I replaced the tire and that van took me a whole nother year. And since then I've been able to get two new cars. So if you never step out, what could you be missing? Use me as an example. What would I have missed if I never did it? Yeah. I mean, that is the question, isn't it? And yes. yet so many of us are often so busy, so tired, mm -hmm. so broke, so, mm -hmm. So much a victim or a perpetrator or right. to rescue, rescue, rescue others. And, you know, there, there's a certain amount of that that's that's needed, it's wanted, it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. But you know, when does it stop, right? When do we stop being stuck in this right. victim, perpetrator, rescuer? And you you just step right out of it. I mean, you, you just. <laughs> I almost have a sense in Detroit, you never were in it, were you? I mean, I no, I, no, I wasn't. I was. I could see it. And once, once I really was removed from it, that's when I had to go because I told my son today, I didn't want to start um, letting people know who I was, meaning this is not going to take me down. I need to go. And if you guys don't understand, I'm going to go. Because like you said, my grandma Vera and my mother Brenda, they never made me part of it. I was always separate from it. And that comes from them showing me life and always making sure that I was taken care of and uh, uh my spirit was fed, you know, my mom reading the Bible over me when I sleep or my grandma reading certain things. I've just always had a need to make sure that everybody's okay. And once Detroit could no longer facilitate that light in me, I had to go so that my light wouldn't just go poof and be snuffed out. Because if you don't use your gifts, they'll be gone. I have total recall in my mind to where my brain takes pictures of things and God told me, it's going to be gone because you're not nurturing it. So I had to go so I wouldn't lose my gifts and I could use them for someone like you who needs me and I could take care of people. So, uh, Wow. See, so like I have a theory that people can best be understood mm -hmm. uh, like a seed. And what does a seed in nature need? It needs the right environment. And it sounds like what with what you just said, you recognize that environment would not allow you to sprout and grow yep. and probably for your children. Right. Your Yep. Extended family, likewise. Yeah. And so, right, mm -hmm. the environment had to change. The environment had to change, yeah, because like with my boys, you know, especially raising young sons, you know, you have to let them go out at some point and, and see the world. And, you know, as with a lot of different cities and different things around the world, sometimes crime comes in a little more than you might want it. And crime touched my son. You know, he was robbed at like 15 years old and in a supposed good area. And I remember saying, I will not, even though his dad and I are not together, and this is something I want to make very clear. You do not have to be with the person that you have the child with to maintain a respect level. 
And what I always kept close to my heart with my oldest boy, because my little one, I still had him under me. He's little. I will not let his dad have a broken heart or die because I did not take care of his son correctly. Right. So I knew that it was time to pull him out so that no matter what problems he and I, his dad and I had communicating, he would never be able to say, darn it, she didn't take care of my son. So now today he can look at his son at 21 and say, wow, she pulled him up out of that. But that goes back to my grandma. I am not of that environment. God just lived there. I am me. So it made it better for me to get him up out of there. And now he uh, he helped me lose 50 pounds in a year, teaching me how to eat better. He's going to be a nutritionist. He's homeschooling his little brother and he makes sure his grandma. OK, and he does his own thing as a young man and he's respectful. So, again, that move, like he told me, opened his eyes as well. He's been to Denver and he's traveled because he wasn't in that little fishbowl and he couldn't grow. Beautiful. Beautiful. Those systems. I often ask people, you know, where did you start to notice systems being at play? Can, does that word apply with any of what you're, you're sharing of your journey? Did you notice at some point that there were systems beginning to um, be at work uh, in your experience? I would say for me, all I noticed is when I visited Florida in 2010 and I went back home, I noticed all I heard was the call in my ear. The call in my head is telling me to leave. And I noticed as well, I'll say this, having been on um, government assistance so long, I knew that system was going to end. I knew that at some point you cannot give your life over to someone else to say, we'll pay your rent, we'll pay this, we'll pay that. That's not how you want to live. You have a gift. Your gift can't grow doing that. So my thing that pushed me was I woke up and looked around and said, this is telling me what to do. It takes no faith for someone to just bring crap to your door. You have to step out there and test it. So I would say my system was recognizing I'm done with living off of something that I wasn't born to live off of because that's not living. And I got up and I heard that and I left. Got it. Got okay. it. That's clear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, to bring it full circle, as you know, our audience is primarily couples building together. You've mm -hmm. already offered some phenomenal inspiration and advice mm -hmm. to couples. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything more that you'd offer in that direction? Toward I, would, I would say for couples, this is what I would say. If you're not a couple yet and you have someone that you're looking at and you're thinking, you know, hey, I think I would like to be with this person. Take it slow. Respect that person. Listen. And I want to say something. Times do not change. People change. The environment will change. Stay true to yourself. As a woman, respect yourself. As a man, respect yourself. If you enter into a relationship, give each other love and respect and listen. And my mom always told me, never speak bad of the other. You know, if it doesn't work out and you're kind of having a moment or whatever, Always keep it to yourself and think about what you're saying first. Write it down if it sounds a little mean and read it back and go, okay, maybe I shouldn't say that to her or him. You know, invest in it. You know, I'm not in a relationship because I know what it means to be in one. You know, cherish it and take it slow and take time. If you don't have children yet, just give it a little time to get to know each other because when they come along, they are what is most important. So if your relationship is solid before they come, then they can just benefit from it even more and just uh, just enjoy each other and just um, lead with love and understanding of what the relationship is and um, just give each other respect. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. There's one last question I'd like to see if it works to offer right now. This word I've been uh, you know, pondering a lot lately, this idea of, of when I became a father, my son is seven years old now, I took on a role that I was not well prepared for, mm-hmm. and, uh, and no one would use this word. You know, I've, I've had to kind of like search it out myself in terms of understanding my own experience. So for me, the word is patriarch, and of course a patriarch you know, has a, has a complementary matriarch. Does that word matriarch, do you see that applying in your story? I mean, do you, do you identify that, you know, being a mother, um, also as, with, a, yeah. as a leader of the family? Yeah. Something yes. like that, right? Yes, like, I do. Yes. Yes. Um, that I will say that too. And sometimes not having a significant other that does kind of play in with me because I am the matriarch. I am responsible for it all. So I will say this too. If if you are lucky, blessed, whatever you want to call it enough to have a significant other and you guys can do it together, that does mean something because it's a little tougher to do it on your own. I, I'm, I'm happy that I have the foundation that I have. I'm glad that I have my grandma who taught me a lot and my mom and values and stuff. But um, if you can have a solid relationship and someone can help you along the way and take that stress off your shoulders or you can support the guy as a woman and he comes in and I got you, honey. That's important. So being a single woman, I would say uh, it can be a little difficult, but I'm glad I'm in touch with the emotions and grounded and being here in Florida and not being in a, a, a urban city that maybe does not help me be the best woman that I can be for my boys and for my mom. Exactly. Yeah. And and, and that, that matriarch, patriarch, as you're describing there, I mean, I hear it son as well like the way you as a proud mama are describing your boy and mm-hmm. maturing into right mm-hmm. he's, a ma- he's a patriarch in the making in yes the way. yes yeah. yes he is. and um i get a lot of compliments about him because um he is so grounded he's so strong and he told me when we were leaving florida and the tire blew in the car he said uh he wanted to look at me and go, okay, can we go home? But he said, nope, I'm going to support my mom. And he said, you know what, mama? I'm glad I did. So to look at a young man who's going to be 21 in a week, he's never disrespected me. He's never lied to me. He takes care of the home. Like I said, he went to Colorado for a trip last year and uh, rode his bike and saw what that was like with his friends. He has uh, taught me about nutrition, which is the values my grandma put in me. And since she's gone, I think a lot of that transfers to him. So he takes being a man very uh, strong, like my granddad did. So he doesn't take it lightly as to when he will pick up a mate one day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. Anything else you want to add in terms of where you've been, where you are now? Maybe, Maybe vision. I think that would be the closing question I have for you is like from all you've gone through and developing this faith and this trust and this belief, like what's next for Nicole? Like, what do you see in terms of vision looking forward? My vision is, as I keep speaking it, and I know this is what is next for me, is to travel the world and tell my story, um, to show people what can be done and to just let people know, like I said, I'm just a Detroit girl and I stepped out and I did it and I will tell the world. I will go to more mountains. I will go to countries and cities and states that I've never seen and as God always promised, my family will be okay and I will touch hearts and um, write a book and just share with the world what can be done and remind people, you can be told as a child that this is who you are, as I was told at three years old. And here I sit today with you at 45 telling you that and time goes so fast. So 
don't waste time. Just get up and believe and live without fear and know that if I can do it and I'll be standing on stage telling people, hey, look what happened. Look what happened. Sharing my testimony. You can do it too. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's often where I, you know, coin this together. We overcome. I, I hear yes. you, right? You, yes. You, you honor the journey you've taken. It was not a solo journey. It was right. together with your family, yep. your, children, your mother mm -hmm. and, uh, and others along the way who suddenly showed up. Right. To help yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had a lot of help along the way. Um, you know, whether it was always moving on to the next position in my job, you know, finding out, okay, she has this skill. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. Uh, learning everything. Every person was put into place to touch me and say, come here, come over here, come over here. And now each person has shifted and shifted, but it's pushed me up further to be able to tell my story and stand true to myself and who I am. And no matter what each person I meet or come back in contact with, I'm always me. And I leave them with, love and let them know i got you you know i'll take care of you whatever you need because i know what it means to say that and i know when i've had my darkest moments and it came to tap me on the shoulder and try to take me out or suicide whispered a little bit i know that i ignored it and i know why it tried to come to me because it wanted to stop me from having this moment right here amen yeah. Amen. Amen. Wow, Nicole, thank you so much for sharing your journey, your story. I look forward to touching in with you at some point in the future, too, because awesome. I, think, I think this is more of a, an introduction. This is more of a first chapter to okay. a, you know, I think yes. a, I can hear it. I see it yes. in you. You're bubbling. You're ready. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes you're, I am. You're ready for the next stepping out in faith. I mean, mm -hmm. I can just see it in you. You're, your foot's up. You know, yeah. you got your balance. And yep. which direction you're given to step, I'm certain you're going to step in it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I need to take care of his people and let them know what can be done. So Absolutely. Yeah. You're doing it. And then press on, press on. We absolutely support you. So for now, from Norway all the way to Florida, thank you so much, Nicole. <laughs> thank you.